So we're back. Yeah. New series, new sound effects. Excellent. So what, what are we doing today then, isn't it? Well, Irish girl. Yes, I'm Irish girl, the yeah. one with the Irish accent, and my colleague here is English girl, the one with the English accent. It's just in case nobody got that. Then. Nobody, yes. yes. Don't want any kind of confusion. So yeah, today's episode is called Planet of Giants. Yes. Planet of the Giants. Yeah, which would be easier yes. to say, and we keep yes. meaning to say that. Uh, and also this is the first in the second series yeah. of, of Doctor Who. Not, as uh, Americans call it, the season, yeah. which probably leads to confusion, but I guess this is the second series. Uh, and we also call the whole of the canon of the series a series. A se- yes, just to add to the confusion. Yes. It's always fun to do. We don't like doing things the easy way. No, we didn't get to where we are today doing things the easy way. Well, we did, but I mean, you know, oh, yeah. we are England. So, what uh, beer are we drinking today then? Well, your, your, mm. your good idea was, right, we're doing Planet mm. of Giants. Yeah. What we'll drink is a beer called Goliath. That does sound like a brilliant idea. Do you see what we did there? It's like it, it's, it, it connects in such so many different ways, namely one. What way is that? Well, something to do with big people. Oh, I didn't get it. Well, and it was your idea as well. Yeah, it was just a random oh, did idea. You, or yeah. did you forget in the meantime? I could, I could have forgot all You probably forgot, didn't you? But anyway, back to the episode. Right, yes. What you're doing the synopsis of. Yeah. So, without further ado, here we go. This was uh, broadcast in October to November of 1964. Episode 1 is called Planet of Giants. The Doctor, wearing a spiffy new cloak, is parting the TARDIS as it approaches the planet when the door opens during materialisation because the space pressure was too great, causing a malfunction. The fault locator once again fails to find anything wrong. Then the scanner explodes. Unable to see outside, the doctor decides to go out and investigate. They split up and find giant stone slabs cemented in place, a giant dead snake, giant dead ants, and a giant matchbox. Susan and the doctor both deduce that they're not actually giant things, but they've been shrunk. Ian naturally climbs inside the matchbox, which is then promptly picked up by a human who goes and sits outside a house waiting for someone. This scuppers the plan to go back to the TARDIS. Looks like we're staying here a while, folks. The human is a government scientist who is delivering a report to the house owner, Forrester, about an application for a new insecticide, DN6. Production has been denied because it's lethal to all animals. Forrester shoots him. A gallery wasn't pleased with the news. The other travellers meet in next to the dead body, only to be greeted by a giant cat on the first cliffhanger. Episode 2 The Dangerous Journey With everyone standing still, the cat gets bored and leads to guard the way back to the TARDIS. Forrester returns and they all run to hide, splitting up in the process. Ian and Barbara go to hide in the briefcase, because hiding inside stuff worked so well before. Forrester is now with another scientist, Smithers, presumably before he met Mr Burns. 
Smithers, who also worked on the pesticide, realises that the government scientist was shot through the heart. I guess he gave love a bad name. They planned to cover his death by moving his body to a boat so people think he died at sea. They return inside with a briefcase, complete with Ian and Barbara, and leave to take care of the body. The doctor and Sudan decide to climb up a drain pipe to get into the house because it's corroded and there's plenty of footholds. Ian and Barbara go for a walk. Halfway up the drain pipe, Susan remarks how, how it's good that it is corroded so there's plenty of footholds. Barbara touches some seeds coated in the pesticide and decides to keep this from Ian. God forbid anyone should ever tell something important in this show. <laughs> they decide to make a paperclip ladder though. Back in the drain pipe, how the hell are they climbing up there? I wish they'd explain that part. Is it corroded or something? Anyway, back with Barbara, a fly appears to be doing a mating dance for her and she faints. Susan and the doctor eventually appear in a sink. Barbara comes around and Ian tells her the fly landed on the seeds, which she previously touched, and then died. Barbara cries at the news. I didn't know she was interested. Maybe that's why she never took it any further with the previous suitors. The doctor and Susan catch the attention of Ian by shouting. This is explained by using some techno-babble rubbish about the sink acting as an amplifier or something. They all plan to return back to the drain pipe when Forrester and Smithers return to wash their hands. Ian and Barbara hide by standing next to something. The doctor and Susan hide in the drain. The plug is placed. The sink is filled. Hands are washed. The plug's removed. The water drains away. That, ladies and gentlemen, is your cliffhanger. That has to be the worst cliffhanger ever. Let's see what episode 3 brings us. I'm literally on the edge of my seat. It might be something to do with the seat (laughs) Episode 3 Crisis Ah but our friends have hidden in the overflow pipe They're safe after all Ian and Barbara return to the plug Forrester Posing as a scientist uh, Phones in a report that DN6 Is production recommended to go ahead The telephone operators overhearing them are suspicious the doctor comes across a notebook with the formulas for DN6 and discovers just how poisonous it is to wildlife, and even to humans, in sufficient quantity. Barbara still has nothing to say. But don't worry, we we'll have to use a telephone now, so that may be a chance to speak. They get the telephone working, but unfortunately the operators on the other end can't hear them. They're now even more suspicious. Barbara then collapses, and the doctor discovers she has DN6 on her, and tells her off for not mentioning it. Not hearing back, Forrester goes to check the handset isn't off the hook. Meanwhile, Ian spots some signs, but is interrupted when Forrester walks in. The operator phones the house once the handset is replaced and asks for the scientist. Forrester goes to get him, or rather puts on his best, same voice as his own, impression, which doesn't fool anyone. So the operator's husband, who is a policeman, decides to go to the house and investigate. This is a fully fledged service the phone operators provide you. Back with the travellers, Ian turns a gas tap on and readies a matchstick to ignite it and explode a nearby aerosol can and start a fire. The doctor then steals a seed before he leaves. Meanwhile, Smithers decides he isn't comfortable with the scale of damage that his pesticide can do. Forrester pulls a gun on him. The can explodes. The policeman arrives. The day is saved. Back in the TARDIS, the doctor uses the seed to demonstrate they're returning back to normal size and Barbara gets better. Now it's on to the next destination, but unfortunately, the scanner's still broken. That is a shame. Yeah, considering mm. they were they were small, mm. it was a rather mundane episode. 
I mean, the whole thing of it was, you know, it's not the Daleks mm. taking over the world or, or anything like that. It's it, it's somebody killing somebody over an insecticide. Yes. Not the most exciting of plots, as far as they go. But then, you know, being a sci-fi show, of course there's going to be a shrinking episode in it. I can't think of any sci-fi show where there hasn't been a shrinking episode. No. Back in Star Trek, I think there's been at least two. Well, as uh, David Whittaker says, the script editor, we badly need a serial about our foreign characters being reduced in size. Badly, he said. (laughs) Well, he was right there. It was badly. Well, yeah, as far as the uh, pesticides go, uh, it really wasn't inspired by some uh, novel that he wrote. Yeah. Went here about uh, pesticide abuse and thought he'd uh, adapt that for this story. Yeah, it was like to do with environmentalism or something, yeah. so he thought he'd do that. Which uh, Barry Letts seemed to favour in uh, forthcoming episodes, and uh, we'll see more environmentalist episodes in the future. We will indeed have. What? It was originally mm-hmm. meant to be four episodes as well. So you can yes. imagine how interesting it would have been then. You thought nothing happened. <laughs> you thought nothing happened before. Imagine it was four episodes, and that was and that, that that was made to make it exciting as possible. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. But obviously that didn't do the trick because they still mm. want the producers still wanted the Daleks episode that follows to be first, but they couldn't because of continuity reasons. Mm. But still saying that it was the only first only the first episode really that was. Particularly nothing happened in that one at all. No. Well, we'll talk about the first episode now. Uh, The Doctor had a new cloak. That was was the highlight of the first episode. (laughs) Yes, new clothes, always a highlight of a 25-minute story. (laughs) (laughs) Here's my new cloak. Excellent. I'll have to rewind that and watch that bit again. Uh, And and I did like that the uh, fault locator... They mentioned it again, and it was particularly rubbish at locating faults, which is yes. a problem if you're yes. if you're a fault locator. Yes, I, th- I think we've had actually had more use from the chameleon circuit. Yes, which is <laughs> permanently broken. At least we know that one's broken, and it's doing its job at being broken. Yeah, but whereas well, well, we know it's broken, although the fault locator still pretends to work. <laughs> and surely the fault locator. You know, the, the, they go, oh, the fault locator's let up, let's see what's wrong. Surely the, the whole problem should be the chameleon circuit doesn't work. Isn't that a fault? <laughs> Shouldn't it be permanently lit up? <laughs> it, it is, but they're just ignoring it. It's like that warning light in your car. They put masking tape over it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the start of the episode, yeah, they mentioned uh, that the most dangerous point is materialis- dematerialisation. They haven't told us before. No. So, a bit of new information. And surely the most dangerous point is when they leave and get shot at by things. Mm. Or when they open the door to a world when the scanner's broken. Yes, because that always works out well. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the scanner's not working. Let's go outside anyway. It can't Mm. possibly go wrong. Oh, we're small now. (laughs) (laughs) There's a Dalek shooting at me. And the Cybermen. See, if only the doctor sounded like that. There's a Dalek shooting at me. <laughs> Can't I? I might be the next doctor. Could you? That would be good. I'd, well, I'd have to do it after you because you're the next one, actually. Yes, I'm the next doctor, and then you could be the doctor after me. 
and then you can, well, obviously I'll die of uh, alcoholic poisoning, and then your doctor can die of alcoholic poisoning as well. Is that all the doctors then? Yeah, that's all the doctors then. It's a fit. It won't be very. It won't be very exciting then. Will it? <laughs> to be many pub-based adventures. I'm sure we can get some excitement out of that. Junk Daleks. Junk Daleks are. How can that fail to be any any good? A drunk Dalek. You could have Cyberman and a Dalek having having a drinking comp- competition against each other. Ah, oh, a drunken beatdown as well. Yeah. Really, Cybermen are only good at one thing: vomiting. Uh, yeah. The doctor also apologised to Barbara in the first episode. Yes, he was uh, being very nice. I mean, who says mm-hmm. the series doesn't have character arcs? Because he's moved on a lot since the first one, and uh, since the previous episode as well. Yes. Of course, it could be just throwing them out. He would, yeah. But yes, it was very sort of kind. And uh, obviously, they made up in between series. Did they have makeup sex as well? Yes. <laughs> I've read. I've you read it. On the, I've read it on the internet. <laughs> Therefore, oh, it's true. Maybe that's why uh, she didn't want to tell Ian because they were, they were, there was a bit of tension between them because she does sex with the doctor. As long as she stays away from Ian, he's mine. (laughs) Moving on swiftly. Uh, They they mentioned space pressure in this episode for some reason, Mm. uh, which is to go along with the sensor ranks when there was no air in space. Mm. So now there's space pressure. Yes. It's probably more exciting than pressure, just, but, you know. Did he mean, no, vortex pressure? Space vortex pressure, no? From 1963, Doctor Who, no. No. Sorry, it's 1964 now, isn't it? I always forget what year it is. But we're redcon in here. Okay, redcon away. Yeah, and uh, obviously, straight away they all split up and take every single opportunity they can to split up. Yep. Team Time Lord go one way and Team Humans go the other way. Obviously it was Team Time Lord that worked out, you know, the whole shrinking thing. Because Ian and Barbara weren't mm. going to work out shit, were they? Yeah, well, he's, he's fed up of Ian, and Ian getting all the glory. <laughs> he's, uh, he's decided to do something about it. Has he? Yes. He's, uh, he's learning from Ian. In fact, he's learnt from Ian now. So it's a very littered, littered garden as well, wasn't it? Considering every three paces they came across something else, like a matchbox or... or or. Well, they had used the pest sign. It was littered with dead animals. <laughs> <laughs> Dead animals, matchboxes, and briefcases, and whatever the frig else there was. That's all there was. Don't ruin my argument, Ken. Where were the empty cigarette stubs and? Well, you couldn't show cigarettes on uh, on Doctor Who because that would be contravening the advertising act. That's a lie, but I thought it was quite a good lie considering I just thought of it. Um. What other oh. lies have you got first? Well, this isn't a lie. This is actually true. Uh, but but I liked the villain, you know the Forrester was it? Yes. He had a particularly sinister and businesslike voice, and I thought I recognised him. But when I and I went and I looked him up, and he was R. K. Maroon in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I don't know who R. K. Maroon in Roger Rabbit is. 
Well, that's not really a surprise to anyone. I believe he was the one that was killed. And then Roger Rabbit was framed for his murder. Hence the title. Who killed Roger Rabbit? Yep. But, yeah, the villain, like, killing someone over insecticide. He really must like his insecticide. Yes. Is that... Is there that much money in an insecticide? Apparently. I mean, this is a sci-fi show in which, you know, as I think I said before, you can literally do anything. This week, industrial espionage. <laughs> what? Well, why not? Can do anything. Why not industrial espionage? Well, and uh, I think, is it still in the first episode? Mm-hmm. What was the point of Ian being climbing into the matchbox, you know, to be separated from them? Considering, like, a few minutes later they met up with him again. If he didn't get separated, they had to go look for him. Otherwise, they'd have just gone back to TARDIS. Would they have? They, they did mention that they were going back to the TARDIS. Oh, going back to the TARDIS oh, now. No, they didn't. Oh, Ian got lost again. Oh, <laughs> so they had to go and find Ian. And, and yes, and they were also talking about the voices, you know, because they wouldn't be able to understand people because the normal-sized humans would be really deep, slow voices and they would be high-pitched. Mm. Is that actually true? I don't know. I doubt it. I can't imagine it being true. I can't imagine anything being true. I can imagine beer being true. Can you? Yes. Well, it is. Speaking of being, being, being splitting up with everyone, what, what's his deal with hiding and everything? Matchboxes, briefcases... And then he says, if we must hide, hide behind things. Well, two things, you want to hide in everything. And secondly, why not... So, so not in front of things, is that oh, how we can hide from things? Well, behind thing is a big departure from the first series where you just stand next to things and you're <laughs> And it doesn't matter what size you are, people can't see you if you stand next to things. So, like, it, it's a big progression in the science of the show. Well, I believe I'll take this opportunity to uh, top myself up. Not top myself, it's not that bad enough to. What do you think about the beer? Well, this one, given that it's a strong English ale, and uh, we've let it settle to room temperature. Yes, we're drinking warm ale. How stereotypical are we? As is what is right. Yes, apparently so. It is quite a tasty drink, actually. Bit of a malty taste, I think. Mm-hmm. It's not overpowering or anything. No. Uh, yeah, and and I'm drinking it. You know, it's it's going down quite well. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's. It's not any worse for being warm either. It's probably a bit. Mm. It's probably a good few degrees lower than room temperature, so that does help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't got a thermometer to check in. But well, we should get that next time. Yes. The official drunken time travel thermometer. Well, yes, it's from. Uh, was it the Witchwood Brewery? I believe so. Yes. Which is, uh, it's a fairly recent brewery from 1982 or something like that. Whereabouts in England are they? Uh, near Witchwood. Yeah. In the Oxfordshire. So that's in, that's in South England. Yes, and uh, they, they do a range of beers. Which, which is going to be Central City in the future. 
Yes, they do have a range of beers, which is going to be senseless. No, but they're all based on like mythological creatures. Yes, because there's Witchwood a Forest. Goliath yeah, and uh, what's the other one? Hobgoblin. Hobgoblin is yes. the most famous one, and they do a whole. Other they range. do a cider called Green Goblin. Mm. Yes, and apparently they were the first beer company to and they do have illustrated labels on their bottles. They also do a beer called Dr. Octopus as well. Do they? That's, that's a joke for uh, any of you Spider-Man fans out there. That'd be you. It's a fantastic joke. Well, it's the best I could Drink your beer. Okay. Shall we carry on with the episode then? Yes. What would you give it out of uh, seven? The episode or the beer? The beer. Ah. I would probably give it four and a half. I'll give it 4.2. Which is exactly the same as its percentage. Brilliant. Out of seven, huh? Yeah. Oh, oh yes. It's a decent enough function. Maybe a five, actually. But no, but you're reading it out of seven. It was just a theory that uh, me and my friends came up with uh, one night to revise the whole grading system. Out of ten, it was far too vague, and out of five, you'd not got enough. And uh, basically, we settled on seven is the perfect number. I could go into more detail about the gradings if you want. No. So in the episode, uh, Barbara, yes. Barbara picks up the seed like an idiot. Yes. Uh, and then Ian tells her to keep away from them. Yep. Uh, before sticking his face in the pile. Yes, but it didn't taste them. Neither <laughs> didn't Barbara. <laughs> he was inspecting them. Yes, but he had to, did he have to go to millimeters? away from it yes, he needed to smell them and it's <laughs> what it's what scientists do they inspect he is not a scientist as we will find out later on he's the best scientist oh yes i think you mentioned it briefly in your preview or your what do you call it yes my synopsis uh yes i think you mentioned yeah, it briefly the in your synopsis. For number two Yes, well, yes. we did say it's the worst cliffhangers. It's uh, it's definitely not up there with the Doctor being shot by a Dalek. Well, you could look at it two ways. Turning a tap on, no, it's not a great cliffhanger. But they are going to die because they're going to drown in a torrent of water. Oh they have they have died. They've literally died almost. But but the the last line of dialogue just before it, the episode finished was, and he's turned the tap on. Brilliant. It might be the funniest cliffhanger. <laughs> Granted. Well, there's but a, there's there were serious implications to it. Don't forget the plight. <laughs> the plight. Yes. And also I liked the guy who was trying... The guy who... Forrester. He was trying to do an impression. Well, he wasn't trying to do an impression. He was trying to phone up as the short scientist. <laughs> so what he did, right... You might have seen this in Police Squad when they did it much better. But mm. he put a handkerchief over the phone mm. and then he called. And people believed it was the scientist for a bit. But for about three seconds, I think, though. Yeah. It mm. was it was unfortunate for him that they, there was a busybody phone operator. Yeah. On the other end of the phone operator, they went, listen to this, doesn't he sound exactly the same as that other guy? What time and got other people to listen? See, he sounds exactly the same. Yes, it's a bit suspicious to me. Hmm. It's interesting to see an operator. 
Yes, I mean, you don't see them often at all. No. You probably shows. saw a lot more in the 60s. I don't know, would you? Uh, I'm sure you might oh, have done. Oh, no, so I didn't watch TV in the 60s. But obviously it was just a part-time job to her because, you know, the rest of the time was uh, being an amateur sleuth. Mm. I wonder if she gets paid double. Well, it depends if it's a Sunday or not. Uh, which brings me to be Ian being a bit of a rubbish science teacher. No, he's not. Yes, he's rubbish. He's he, no. he couldn't even identify formula from that notepad. It was too a big. A giant notepad. It was it's not it as if he couldn't big. see it. It was giant just so he could see it. was too big. It. You couldn't read it. That's why he got Susan to uh, stand over him and look at him individually one by one because she can't see it. Because it was too big. Nope. Stop having a go at Ian. <laughs> uh, I think that's it for me I having a we, go at Ian now. I think we should have a go at Barbara. What would you like to complain about Barbara for? Being Barbara. For being ill. Is that what you want to complain? You complaining because she was ill. Mm. It was simply her turn. So they Susan had was enough. Susan was ill in the reign of terror. Ian was ill in the sensor ranks. They were just following the turn. It'll probably be the, doc- the doctor in the next episode. Actually, I wonder if it is the doctor mm. in the next episode. Let's have a look out for that. Oh, he's the doctor immune. Doctor's immune to everything, except mm. in the previous episode, Marco Polo, when he was very, very tired. Right. Oh, so he's already on. been ill. He's already been ill. Everyone's been ill. Hooray! I wonder if everybody gets ill travelling with the doctor. Even himself? Yes. What are we going to... Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that then when mm. we're watching Doctor Who, just to see if all the companions get ill. Yes. And all the doctors. Yes. And uh, yes, I do like the irony, dramatic or otherwise, mm-hmm. of being apparently being back in their own time, you know, Ian and Barbara, but they couldn't get there. It's like sliders. Although they should have done. They should have stayed there. And they could, but just and they really could, small. Yeah, yeah, well, think of how cheap the houses would be. They wouldn't have to buy too much land. No. What would they spend? What would they spend? Yeah. Well, they'd have to get a job. What jobs call for small people? Well, there's many jobs that call for small people. Excellent. Think of any right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy with that. There's plenty of jobs for small people. <laughs> well, it's going to be. Right, yeah, it's, uh, it was a particularly good solution to the star. What, setting house on fire? Yes. That always helps. And they didn't even need to set the house on fire. Well, you've got to attract attention some way, and uh, why not a fire? <laughs> but they didn't need to. The, the, the police was on his way anyway without them setting fire to the house. Yes, but. 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 Nothing. Yeah, they just like setting things on fire, right? <laughs> so Ian's a twisted fire starter. <laughs> yes. That does not surprise what me. What happened between series? <laughs> he's obviously just—he's <laughs> become a pyromaniac, and he's just setting fire to everything. So, Doctor stole his intelligence and made him a raving maniac. Yes. <laughs> Apart from the intelligence part, because he never had any. He learned, or he taught the Doctor everything else. No, nope, taking that bit out and editing. No, he not. I am. Uh, the uh, yes, and when they were when they got to the back to the TARDIS, how how they reversed everything, you know, making themselves big was just mm. repeat everything they did. 
mm. in the first place and hope it's reversed mm. and not make them even small <laughs> oh no we're, we're like the size of atoms now what about if we reversed everything we did why didn't we think of that <laughs> do you have anything to talk about now anything else for the episode uh, no apart from yeah. Ian really didn't have much to do or shine at all this episode no he didn't even do he didn't you know it was because of him that apparently they had to stay on that planet yes yes he was uh, particularly rubbish which made uh, choosing my Ian moment of the episode quite tricky but you went with something anyway presumably yes and what was that it was at uh, towards episode 3 about halfway through when uh, Trying to dis- when they were discussing how to attract attention to the house, and uh, Ian basically says, "I'll show you. I'll soon show you." And the uh, whole conversation goes thusly. We'll cause trouble. Start a fire, my boy. Yes. Can we start a big enough one to do any real damage? Well, we can try anyway. <laughs> it's nothing like a good fire, is there? <laughs> what do you think, Barbara? Idea. If we could manage to start a fire, it would certainly attract people here. Yes, they'd find that man's body. Yes. That's it. What? If we could only turn it on. Well, then what? I'll soon show you. It's not brilliant, but there you go. That's, <laughs> that's, that's Ian's highlight of this episode. Ian's that's highlight as good of as the he, episode. It's as good <laughs> as he got. <laughs> Well, I, I had trouble... Well, there wasn't really that many great uh, quotes or anything. So I've simply gone for one uh, that involves double entendre, if you think about it. So, euphemism drive engaged for this one. And here it is. Doctor! Doctor, it's a huge snake! What? Let's call the others. Oh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Yes, I, I, I think it's big. It's a fantastic size! Also, it does lend credence to my theory that Barbara had sex with the Doctor. If you want to see it that way. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't even hijack my E moment with a Doctor moment in the episode. <laughs> there was just nothing. There was just nothing on offer from this episode. So, final thoughts then. It was alright. Nothing particularly mm-hmm. special or anything. Great way to start a new series. Yeah, it was semi-interesting in the fact that they were small and they had to get around a bit and just seeing the big things. They were small and they had to do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but they really did nothing with it. No. And to think Land of the Giants made an entire series out of this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it might have been better had I not watched Land of the Giants. Well, did Or many other sci-fi shows. Yes. Or anything. Or anything. So, uh, if you have any questions about stuff mm-hmm. and things to do with Doctor Who... Like, why didn't you make that one shorter? <laughs> then you can email us at drunkentimetravel at gmail.com And we're also on Twitter at drunktimetravel. Say, Gav. Yes, Gav. Do you like comedy? I do like comedy. I like that it makes me laugh. It's That's a good uh, part of comedy, isn't it? Mm. Do you like podcasts? 
Yes, it's uh, it's good to listen to when I'm walking about and things. Right, right. Um, Wait for this. Right, what if there was a podcast that combined comedy and podcasts? I would probably die walking in the middle of the road from laughter. Well. But I'd enjoy it. Well, as long as that would be good. And I'd have to do this podcast all by myself. Well, there is such a thing. It's the Sarcastic Voyage podcast. Ah, I've heard of it. It is very good. It is very good. Comedy sketches, chat, comedy. Did I mention comedy? If you didn't, there's also comedy. Excellent. I would highly recommend it. And you can get that from sarcasticvoyage.com. Also, other... uh, Websites that, that uh, myself and English can do. He does uh, in the fourth dimension blogspot.com, which is this your, yes. what, your Doctor Who reviews of audios and yeah. things like that. Yeah, mainly the uh, audio sort of series from Big Finish and BBC and whatever. Yeah, mainly sort of mini reviews of them. And uh, then you've got one that's nothing based about Doctor on Who. Voyager. It is based on the wonderful series of Voyager. I'm giving it a, 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 a another look through, basically, because it's about ten years since. Why would you do that? I don't know. There's a few good episodes. I think there's about four, and I'm just at the start of series five now. Yes. So, so mm. give that a look. It also involves mm. comedy. It's yes. at uh, sickbaycheese.blogspot.com. Yep, and uh, this podcast is also now available on iTunes. I'm very professional now. Thank you. Next time, I'm doing, just in time for Christmas, The Dalek Invasion of Earth. Ah, nice seasonal story. (laughs) Yes. Maybe you won't have to buy your Christmas presents this year. And that's on the 15th of December. And it's uh, goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.